Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. If you know me, you know how obsessed I am with live performance. To me, nothing replaces being in a theater and the lights going down and the orchestra starts to play and that first moment of magic. And I know the way I feel about theater, some people feel about sports or opera or dance or comedy or food. And what if there was a place that you could go and find out which live events are going on near you that night, and then for a discount price, you can get off your couch, put down that clicker, and experience the magic that is live performance. Well, there is a place, goldstar.com. You just go to that website, you type in your city, and every amazing live event will be listed at discount prices. Theater, dance, comedy, film, food, concerts, sports. No more staying home. You are going to go out and build memories and experiences that expand your mind and heart through live performance with goldstar.com. Goldstar is in 26 cities around the country with over 8 million members already signed up to find out what event is going on near you. So go to goldstar.com. Get out of your house and build memories that are magic for you and your family. Expand your mind, expand your hearts. Go see live performance by using goldstar.com. Tell them Alana sent you. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. everyone. New episodes of Little Known Facts drop every Monday and you can find them on your favorite podcast provider. Also, if you go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com, you'll find behind the scenes photos, videos, and interviews, and lots more on the gallery page. And if you are loving these intimate, candid conversations with all the artists who come on the show, please head over to the contributions page. I depend on these donations to continue to bring you these interviews every week. So if you love the show, please donate. Little known fact about my guest today, her first professional job was a backup singer for Bette Midler. Welcome Hamilton star Mandy Gonzalez to the podcast. A-OK. A-OK. 
everybody. My guest today is the Drama Desk and Obie Award-winning actress, Mandy Gonzalez. Mandy currently stars as Angelica Schuyler in Hamilton on Broadway. She also starred in another Lin-Manuel Miranda Tony Award-winning Broadway musical called In the Heights as Nina Rosario. She played Elphaba in the Broadway production of Wicked. Other Broadway shows include Aida, Lennon and Dance of the Vampires. Mandy recurs on several hit television shows, including Madam Secretary and Quantico. She's performed with prestigious symphonies all over the world. She's an author. She has a gorgeous solo album called Fearless. And I am over the moon to welcome Mandy Gonzalez to the podcast. Thank you so much. I wish you guys were here because she's wearing a Fearless Squad t-shirt. As always. Um, is it weird if I make you take it off and give it to me? No, no. Is that weird at all? No, no. I will, uh, I will send you one. They're actually very, very comfortable. Um, really now that nice. it's spring, I feel yeah. like, why not? <laughs> Short why not? sleeve. Totally. No better method <laughs> Sort of, sort of spring. Yeah. Today is spring. Tomorrow, there will be glaciers forming oh, gosh. on I Broadway. Hope not. I really hope not. <laughs> I know. That's Well, that's another podcast. Yeah, for this sure. This is about um, joy and love and musical theater and inspiring people to be fearless in all sorts Mm -hmm. of ways. Let's just start with that. So your solo album, Fearless, Mm -hmm. is extraordinary. I know you've been uh, performing work from that album Mm -hmm. as recently as like two nights ago. Yes. Um, But I want to sort of talk about the story behind the title track, Mm -hmm. because I am obsessed with your parents and their story. And then Mm -hmm. we'll get into how Fearless became a motto, an anthem, a bumper sticker that is putting (laughs) all good things out into the universe. Yeah. So, and don't worry, you guys, we're going to talk about Angelica Schuyler. I promise. (laughs) I promise. Hang in there. Right. Um, Don't mean to bury the lead. So your parents Mm -hmm. met in a unbelievably beautiful, unique way. I don't know that there are many stories that match this one. Can you just share, because without them, you would not be sitting in this booth today or doing any of the things the aforementioned. It's very true. Um, Absolutely. I'm I'm here because I'm a product of love. (laughs) I know a lot of people say that um, Stony End uh, by Laura Nero was definitely a song when I did that show uh, at the Vineyard Theater that that hit home because I feel like fearless started for me because of my parents, because of their fearlessness. My dad was drafted um, when he was 19 to Vietnam, to the Vietnam War. And um, he was my father's Mexican-American. And so my father grew up as a migrant worker back and forth uh, to Mexico and just kind of following the crop around the United States. So he went, you know, I remember him telling stories uh, that he went to North Dakota for the first time. And that was the first time he and his whole family saw snow. And, uh, you know, they, they saw Mount Rushmore and they call it the four heads in Spanish because they didn't know what it was. Cuatro cabezas. Exactly. So, um, so, you know, he (laughs) grew up, exactly. So he grew up in a very, um, hardworking family. You know, uh, my grandfather worked very hard, but then he um, became a foreman in this small town called Reedley in California on one of the farms. And that's where my dad kind of, uh, they all plotted themselves, like when my dad was seven. So So kind of if he had to say where he grew up, that would be the town that that he grew up in. And Reedley, that's really where he's 
when he started going to school. So up until that point, my father didn't speak any English. Mm -hmm. You know, that was the first time he had to learn English. And my dad also uh, worked as well as went to school. So before school, he would work. After school, he would work in the fields with alongside his family. And so when he went to the war, when he went to boot camp, he was by himself and all these people had people writing to him and um you know my abuelito and my abuelita they didn't speak english they didn't write letters to my father nobody did and so he felt very alone and he lucked out because he bunked with this guy um my mother's sister um was with this guy who then was also drafted to vietnam and was in the same bunk as my dad. And so my mom was somebody who wanted to join the Peace Corps. And my mom is from Southern California, from the Valley. She's Jewish American, um, totally different life. You know, her dad worked in real estate. It was just, they were comfortable, like right. totally different. But she had, you know, a big heart, a big empathetic heart. And so she wanted to join the Peace Corps. And her parents were like, no, absolutely not. You're so not it, going away. No. So at 17, um, she started to write letters to different soldiers. And my aunt also asked her to write to my father. And so my mom wrote to my dad and my dad wrote back. And, uh, you know, happily so. And I think he said something like, I have really smooth lips. And, you know, different soldiers wrote her. But she's like, this guy is really interesting. This guy has smooth lips. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so she wrote back and they corresponded throughout the year of my father's service. And um, I didn't find out about it until I was about eight years old. And I um, found the letters in the closet, uh, in our hall closet at like the very top, were these boxes of letters. And, and I asked my parents about it. My mom was like mortified, like, never read the letters they're private but you know then it you know when you're eight and already like super nosy like of course you're gonna read these we're letters getting a little like <laughs> picture into who you were of course you were like snoopy totally totally yep. snoopy okay. you know i'm the youngest of three oh. so it's like come on One must look like wait for me you know i you know george lopez tells that story of like wait for me like that was me they'd be like mandy we're leaving and i'd be like wait I, i'm not wait, done but also i have to read the letters exactly I'm coming. so i like read it all the letters like through the years of my living at home and i learned everything about my parents like about Whoa. their childhood you yeah. know and so it was that, that my dad, every letter was like... Um, was he sent overseas? Yeah, yeah. My dad was in Vietnam. So he did he boot in... camp. Yes. The letter writing starts there. Yes. Then he goes to Vietnam. To Vietnam, and he continues to write to my mother through the whole thing. And, and you know, he writes about all of it, you know, about what he sees. And, you know, this was his first time on an airplane. And so my dad still has PTSD when he flies. I mean, I just have fear of flying but my dad really has it really bad Understandably. and and because that was his first time is that when they landed they went straight to combat you know and I can't even imagine what that's like at 19 and then to have this this angel like on the other side that kept him you know hopeful and that there was something waiting for me you know and and I think that they both needed an outlet to like somebody to communicate with that right. could understand them you yeah. know and so when my dad left the war um he went back home to Reedley, and he got in his car and he drove down six hours to um, my mom's house and he showed up on her doorstep and was like i'm here and he had nothing he had his car um was he, she I, I hate to be like a stickler for detail but yeah like, was she home Oh, yeah. Like yeah. She was home. And... She was home. Her parents were home. And I think everybody was just like, I mean, her mom knew that she was writing these letters. Right. But I don't think anybody thought anything was going to happen 
because of it. You know, I think they were just like, oh, they're pen pals and that's really sweet. And then Good this, for you, sweetie. Yeah. And then More this, effort. Yeah. And then this man shows up at the door that's, you know, Mexican and... Uh, and been through stuff. And been through life. And so I think um, her parents... My mom was just, you know, completely in love with him, like from the beginning. And my dad immediately got a job. Like How where old was your mom at the time? I think my mom must have been like 18 okay. when he finally was there. And so my dad was like 20 and he got a job like working at different restaurants. He um, my dad has always worked and he showered like at the YMCA and he slept in his car. Like it was just so intense. And people in my family, because if you meet my dad, like you automatically fall in love with him. He's just the sweetest person ever, um, as well as my mom, but just in a different way. Uh, so <laughs> my mom's um, my my grandmother's family like fell in love with my dad. And so then they started to let him sleep at their house and help him in a way where it was just like give him a place to stay and sure. kind of let him in. And then my parents fell in love and my mom um was I guess my mom they wanted to get married and they got engaged and then my grandfather was like no you can't get married absolutely not like he's from a different world and my father's family was kind of like okay like this is who you want to marry okay they didn't have any problems with it Um, but my my mom's family did and so they eloped they went to Reno (laughs) Nevada and we haven't been back to Reno since I feel like we have to go back to like make some peace. Sure. I want to go there. I want to go to Vietnam and yeah. and just kind of travel be, in their footsteps in that way. I definitely do want to and um and I don't know. I'd love to write about it and just kind of Mandy, discover love that. To write about it. <laughs> I mean, I, this is we're doing it. Yes. I, I, it's I can't true. believe this story hasn't been optioned. Like I know. this movie is happening. Yes. I mean, there's there are so many ways to option this material. I know. Uh, I'm I know. a podcast host slash actress, <laughs> so I might not be the only one who can figure this out. Right. Um, I imagine you've been approached. I but... definitely have been. So now it's just a matter of, you know, kind of figuring out the story that I want to tell, you know, yeah, and, and point of what's view and who's narrating But also what's and... okay to tell, yeah. you know, because it's so secret it's so like it's such a secret in my family and so many um human qualities that are happening still still yeah there's still so many secrets in those letters and I want to make sure because I feel like those secrets are um some of them are very sacred but some of them are should be heard because people need to know the struggle and they need to know the struggle of um you know an interracial relationship as well as the Mexican-American experience. Yeah, and this and is the 70s. It's the 70s, 71. Right. And uh, and so I think, you know, the fact that they made it and they've been married now 47 years. I, I mean, it's like insane. Even... And I had no idea because I grew up with both sets so of grandparents. The, you did. So when... Yeah, everybody loved us. I never guys, knew. Like, yeah. That chapter was over. Yeah, it was over because, um, really because of my dad. My mom kind of wanted to leave her Her parents and just be like they don't accept us like they're out yeah we're out and he was like that's your family and my dad has honestly been the one that's been there the most I think for my grandparents Mm -hmm. the one that you know if a sink broke if something happened my dad was there and uh, now my grandma's 97 my dad goes and picks her up and takes her to lunch and you know it's um it's a beautiful thing and so I think everybody can learn from that and uh and so it's just a matter of kind of just sitting down and doing it. I can't even yeah. quite, first of all, what an incredible thing. 
Aww. Right? Like yeah. at every level. Yeah. And this idea of like trusting your instincts in mm -hmm. that way. Yeah. Also, this is such an against all odds story. Mm -hmm. It's hard to be married no matter what. <laughs> it's so true. Do you know what I mean, Mandy? Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, it's, you're married. Yeah. Oh, I've been so married for 15 years. Thank God. And I just think like, you know, they did it when they were so young yep. and they and grew so up together and so and, much adversity, you yeah. know, and they had kids and, you know, we went to Hebrew school. Like I had a bat mitzvah with the last name Gonzalez. And now that's more, you know, accepted and known. But when I was growing up, it was like, I always had to explain myself right. like, oh, you don't look Jewish. You don't look Mexican. And I'm just like, well, what does that mean? Right. You know, so I had to kind of be okay with myself from the beginning, you know, well, so I had to figure it out. Did your dad convert to Judaism? No, they, but so he likes the food. Live, it's delicious. <laughs> Come on. Yes. I but, would take an empanada on one plate and a matzo ball on oh the my other. God, Happily it's so true. daily. Oh, if I it's could. so true. It's so true. <laughs> I think that my dad, um, after the war, my father was not um, religious. He decided that that's not where mm -hmm. he wanted to follow. But my mom was. And so she said, we're Jewish. And so my dad said, okay. okay we and are. yeah, everybody expects him. And it's funny because now he goes, um, I mean, it's all about the food and the tradition for him. And, uh, and so if he gets invited to somebody else's house, he always says to my mom, like, oh, I feel bad for saying this, but <laughs> I don't know if the brisket wasn't that good. <laughs> You know, he'll be like, it was kind of dry. You know, they didn't do it. They it's didn't okay. do it like Bobby. You we're know, not, it's just like. We're not saying whose house. No. And Cohen's. my. I know. And then my dad, like the humantashen, like he'll be like, oh, it's too. It's not hard enough because my mom's Bubby like made it like a rock, you know. And so that's how my dad eats it. Oh they make it without the apricot or the dates. Like my He's dad like, no. has comments. Yeah. You know, he wants the old school. Oh, yeah. Fashion. My dad yeah. is like, uh, I know what's up. Oh, he does. And he wears that yarmulke with pride. I can't. Like at all the holidays at Temple, you know, for our weddings. My dad's there. He's wearing the uh, yarmulke. It's become, it's become a part of him. Yeah. And because I've tried many different brands. Yeah. And so far, <laughs> Mario Cantone was the most effusive of okay. all my guests. And I was like, all right, that one, wherever I got that one, that's the, that's one. the one. But he's an effusive person got by it. nature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you had a bat mitzvah. Yes. You probably sang at your bat mitzvah. I did. I sang I Am Changing from Dreamgirls. Oh because who doesn't need the singing machine and a vocal mic at your bat mitzvah? Totally. It was like, can I just relax? Like, no, Mandy, you're going to sing. That's you're right. going to sing I Am Changing because it tells the whole story of a bat mitzvah and what it means. So think, that was me. I think whoever uh, music directed your, your bat mitzvah was right. I really hope that there is... Um, video or, or oh I'm uh, sure my brother calls it the Mandy vault because I'm the only one into musical theater into any like performing arts in my family and so my brother had hockey and so maybe he has like one or two videos but like the Mandy vault just has like VHS of all my I love it all my videos I love Hilarious. it I want in I want in the Smithsonian <laughs> and I would like in like the Mandy vault the Mandy vault when did uh the Mandy vault uh, mm -hmm. that is filled with Mandy singing and performing. Mm -hmm. When did Mandy herself understand like, oh, there's this other religion, there's Judaism, there's Catholicism, and then there's musical theater. Right. When did that enter, especially if your parents weren't playing cast recordings around the house nonstop, <laughs> right. like we are. Yes. 
Where did it come from? Oh, it's you? so different with my daughter because already she like her favorite is Bye Bye Birdie right sure. now. Like every she's month, she's not wrong. No, every month she has a new favorite. So I'm just you know I tell all of her parents' friends ahead of time. I'm like, well, you know, your kids are going to learn about musical theater because yeah. that's just my Hope life. You're okay with it? Yeah, it's just my life. Um, but I think it was because my parents worked so much um, to take care of us. You know. Uh, my what father. did you end up doing professionally? Well, my dad worked. We moved to Saugus, California, because my dad got a job at this place called Thatcher Glass. Is it weird that I want you to say worked, work, work? <laughs> no, it fits. It fits. It's Thank very you. musical. Thatcher we'll do Glass, that as much as possible. Okay, <laughs> he made glass bottles. Um, it's very uh, waiting for Guffman like stools, like passing them along. Oh my no, God, I love it. So glass bottles, Thatcher Glass. Um, but it wasn't like that. It was. It there was, was really no singing. Sadly, it was really hard, and most of the people in that area worked at Thatcher Glass. And so my dad did that. And my mom would stay at home for like the first, I would say, five years of my life. And then that's when my life changed and all of our lives changed because Thatcher Glass plant closed because everybody started using plastic. Right. And so my dad had to find odd jobs. Like he worked at a gas station. He um, at one of the restaurants um, in our area, he was the janitor after hours. Did you grow up in the valley or another part of L.A.? I grew up in another part of L.A. in Santa Clarita Valley. Okay. Now they have a TV show about it where people eat people, I think. Um, but we were not doing There that. was nothing like no that. Cannibalism in your <laughs> elementary school. There was nothing like that. So during that time that my dad was working kind of odds and ends, my mom got a job with the school district. And so um, I am. My grandmother started to help out more okay. with us as kids, and um, not abuelita. Your mom? No, mom. my my bubby. Okay, so she started to help out. You had a bubby and an abuelita. Yeah, it's this kind is, of crazy. come on. This movie is writing itself. <laughs> I know it's so crazy. So, um, so yeah. So my grandma was in love with musicals, in love with musical okay. theater. So. She would play me the play me the music. She, she would. would play it all the time, and so I fell in love with music. You know, my brother and sister were like, "Whatever," but Burn I was it like, off. "Yeah." But this was like my dream, like Ethel Merman, um, and it was always big, like torch singers, like Ethel Merman, Edie Gourmet, um, Tammy Terrell, like all of these, Sammy Davis Jr., like all of these incredible singers. Um, and she would just play it all the time, and I would sing along, like to Anything Goes, and to, um. You know, Judy Garland at live at Carnegie Hall. It's still one of my favorite albums. So that's where I fell in love with musical theater. Okay. And my grandma noticed that I could sing. And so there was a dinner theater down the street called Showboat Dinner Theater that had like all you can eat pickles if you went to the see the show and like you could eat food. But my I remember because my brother and I would eat the pickles. And we would see a show. And so my grandma went to them and was like, I have a granddaughter. She's got to sing. And so um, they had classes for kids. like, And so I took the classes in L.A. And so this was in the Valley, the like okay. Tarzana area. And so I, um, I did that on Saturdays. And then my grandma at every holiday, everything I would sing. She would put out the singing machine. My dad would work the sound and I would sing. And that's the thing I think is so great about my parents and my grandparents not knowing what was cool mm -hmm. and what to do because they were just like, she's got talent. Like, do it. Like, yeah. anywhere. Anybody would ask me to sing. Like, they would say, yeah, the senior center, B'nai Brith. You know, it was just like, I did it all. You know, I did Venice Beach, like on the boardwalk. I would sing. And so I learned how to 
do it and what I like to do and what got a reaction from people. Uh-huh. And so that's where I really fell in love with it. When I really got serious with it was when I took singing lessons from um, the singing teacher Seth Riggs in Hollywood. My is grandma. This like high school or this is high. Even? So okay. this is like high school. We're moving, moving on. Yeah. And uh, not that I want to. No, I no. Want to stay every day. No, no. Every year so until today. No. So, <laughs> so uh, I know, right? So then I, um, I went to this this singing teacher who was incredible, and he taught at this summer camp called Broadway Theater Project in Florida. Absolutely. So I auditioned for Broadway Theater Project, and I got a full scholarship, which is the only way I could have gone. And um, it was run by Ann Ranking at the time. And I remember Gregory Hines was one of my teachers. And kids had to audition. Like, you had to send in a tape. I wish I could find that tape. Um, and so I was with all the these really incredible, like, students, you know. And I had to you know, compete for parts and do things and also work together mm-hmm. and to create this show that we put on at the end. We're putting on a show. Yeah. And I loved every minute of it. Minute of it. And you also got to do master classes with sure. these like master, you know, performers. And Anne Ranking was such an inspiration to me um, there because she was just so knowledgeable and knew everything. And so I, um, when I got back from there, I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to go to Broadway. And so I went back to that camp the next year. And then I just became a regular like student. And um, so then I graduate high school and I'm doing drama in, um, in my high school. And so you're doing all the shows doing all the shows and I play all the ethnic parts because that's what you do with the last Andy name Gonzalez. Gonzalez. Yeah. Um, so I was like Bloody Mary, um, Anita in West Side Story. Uh, who else was I? Oh, they made a part called Consuela the Maid when I was in um, ninth grade because they were in Father of the Bride, the play, because they were like, well, you know, you're Latin, so let's make this a Latin oh, part. Yeah. And so it was like, yeah. so I learned about that early, yeah. early on. And um and so when I graduated, I, I wanted to stay close to home. So I went to uh, CalArts, mm-hmm. which was nearby. I auditioned for that school. And I went for Did a you year. you stay living at home? I stayed living year? at home. Uh-huh. Um, more affordable. And uh, I just wasn't ready to go. And then I booked a job um, through an open call as a backup singer for Bette Midler. <laughs> and that took me away. And I I left for six months to uh, to go on the road with her. And I learned so, so much. I was 19, maybe, 19, almost 20 years old. And I was with um, people that were older than me. And uh, I was away from home for the first time. It was completely, like, exciting and terrifying. And, you know, I was homesick a lot. But I saw all of these places that I had never seen in my life, you know. I went to Canada for the first time. I had to get a passport. You know, it was all this just super cool stuff. And then we came to New York for two weeks and we stayed at the plaza and I was like, um, I never want to leave, you know. And then when my I name came, is Eloise. I know. I, like I love it hotel. here. Yeah. And then I, I came, I went back home and I saved all that money from tour and I moved to New York with my boyfriend, who's now my husband at the time, Doug Molini. A beautiful painter. Yes. And um and we moved to Brooklyn. I never stayed at the plaza again. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I bet maybe now I you learned could. how to do it. Yeah, I I learned you know I learned about struggle, and I told myself in six months I'm going to get a job, and you know I worked odd ends. I had no. I think that's another part of my family. I didn't have shame in right the Working. struggle. Right, you know I worked at uh, the coffee shop. I worked bagging groceries for people. I worked as a hostess, coat check. I did whatever I could do so I could audition. You know, it's interesting when young people come to me now that are just starting, and they're like what do you do? Like, how do you audition? Like, I don't have time. And I'm like, you have to find mm-hmm. time. You have to, you just have to do it. And set up your life so that there's and Set up your life. Or if somebody says, well, I don't have the money. You know, my parents, I don't come from money. I just say, well, I didn't either. Yeah. You know, you can do it. You know, I just came from a lot of love. And to me, that was, I was the richest person <laughs> around. But how did you, oh, so, so it's so funny. I just had Beth's daughter, we oh. just did a show together. So oh god, I, I used so to much. see her, she, right? Yeah, like she was she, young. Yeah, she was so young. She's still young. Yes, I know. Uh, she but and now her, she's like her own. She's an artist. She's right? an artist. She's an actress. And yeah. she and a friend of hers, who they went to Yale Drama School together, oh, are doing a podcast about dinner parties. And <laughs> I'm terrified of phone dinner parties. So someone right? was like, "You need to meet Sophie von Hasselberg." And oh, and um. And so hearing about growing up with Bet yeah. and sort of like all the rinsing of saran wrap that happened and the composting and the tree, like they right. were a very down-to-earth family. Right. Uh, no TV, no mm-hmm. snacks in Sophie's childhood. Um, right. But tremendous inspiration in terms of work ethic. Yeah. I think um, Bet is still, to this day, like one of the hardest working uh, people that I've yeah. ever seen. That's my sense. And I was so impressed with her because... You know, she complained once in a while, like, oh, I can't see my kid. Or, you know, she was a mom, a working mom that it's a struggle I go through. Yep. And she was married to an artist. And, you it know, it really is similar. They, it was so, um, for me, inspiring because it was like, here she is. She can do it. I yeah. can do it. Yeah. You know, and I don't think she realized that at the time because she was so, you know, busy, but she was just so giving in herself because she was just herself. Mm-hmm. And that's so rare that you get that kind of experience when you're young to see you know one of your heroes yeah just be human yeah the struggles and yeah the, and, and the like and then to sacrifice yeah and then to see her on stage and there's just nobody like her yeah. I mean she would learn a new monologue for every city that day she would read all the papers and then talk with Bruce Valanche her like sure. co-writer and but it was really her like she edited everything and she you know she worked with a director but she was the one because she knew it's her name out there and to see somebody like that from the beginning it was like I feel like the universe put her in my path for a reason to say not you're going to be Bette Midler but look at what you can do you know this is possible like this woman came from Hawaii totally you know Jewish like she just she just kind of went to her own path, and I'm sure she had her idols too. So yeah, no, but that she was like a it yeah. I mean, for herself. Besides Barbara Streisand, that was Bette Midler was like my idol. You know, that's incredible. Yeah. Do you see her ever? Do you ever cross no, paths? No, I don't. I mean, I would love to. She was at um, Hello Dolly when I was at Hamilton, and um, I think our you know publicist or whatever tried to get together, but you know she's so. Bette Midler and busy, you know, but she came to my first original Broadway show, which was Dance of the Vampires, right. and it was a total bomb, and um, which was so hard to deal with in life. But right, you I get then, the dream, and I, it's a bomb. Yeah, and you're 23, and yeah. you're like, oh my god, it's all over, and you realize you're 
you know, now looking back, it's just beginning. And if you can survive that, you can survive anything. And I remember after opening, um, Bet sent me a telegram. And it was my first and only telegram that ever anybody's ever sent me. And she said, you sound like an angel. And I'm so proud of you and love Bette Midler. And I keep it to this day. And it reminds me that like, it didn't matter. You know, it didn't matter what anybody said, or, you know, of course it did, because it hurt. But I had to go through it. Everybody has to go through it because Bette Midler was still on my side. Exactly. You should bring that. <laughs> and one day I hope I see her. for your headshot and resume. Yeah. Like, how about this telegram? Yeah. One day I would love to just sit down with her and just let her know how much she meant to me and means to me, you know? Well, in the movie, mm-hmm. Bette Midler as herself. Yes. I can see the billing. Right. It's already. Ha- Don't worry. <laughs> Got it. It's already happening. Or Sophie can play Bette Midler. Oh, gosh. In I know. Thing. Right. So crazy. Yeah. So crazy. Um. Well, so at some point mm-hmm. it begins. Yes. Uh, the, the devastating um, losses. Yes. And triumphs. And triumphs. <laughs> um, when you came and were doing like 7,000 jobs and you're with your boyfriend, now husband, mm-hmm. uh, how did you get your first agent? Um, I got my first job through an open call, um, for a show called Eli's Coming. That Which was going to saw. Judy Keene. Judy Keene sang me down the aisle at my wedding. Oh my god! She's truly one of my best best friends. Oh my god! And I saw that show at the Vineyard Theater. <laughs> That's so cool. Four times. It was um, such a great. I can't believe it wasn't recorded. It's so depressing. I know, and obviously her one woman show now that she yes. does, you know, her Judy Kuhn. about Laura yeah, about Laura Nero, Nero has allowed many more people to mm-hmm. know about Laura Nero if right. they didn't already. And if you love Laura Nero, and, right. and she recorded the album, she did. I went to her first rehearsal of that new show because she was like, "I want you to see it. What you think?" And I was just like, "Judy, it's so great." And Judy Kuhn was such a. I guess just a light for me, um, not a light, but like handed me a compass in some ways, because I remember um, when I did Eli's Coming and it was a big hit, mm-hmm. you know, and I was making Diane Paulus, by the way. Yes. And Anika Nani Rose, yep. Ronald Bay. And we went from $200 a week to $400 a week. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm so Looks like we made it. I'm so famous. Like, this is amazing. And, (laughs) you know, and it happened. And I have to thank Cindy Tolan because she found me in that open call and gave me a chance. She's an angel, right? She's an angel. And I will never forget that because she gave me, and her and Doug Abel gave me my first shot in New York City. They're such nice people. Such nice people. And, um, And so. You know, I remember the opening night of Eli's coming. I think it was Judy's husband that was like, you know, it's not supposed to happen like this. Like, you're not supposed to just get like a hit show. And I was like, I know. It's just like, you know, just so crazy. And I remember. That's so Schwab. Oh, That's I know. Exactly so Schwab. Like how you would say it. And so um, then Disney came to see the show and was like, we want to hire you or bring you into audition as the standby in Aida for Adina Menzel. And I got the job and I was like. I don't know, you know, should I be a standby? I I don't know. As Schwab said, I know. it's easy for me. I know. Yeah. And I talked to Judy about it because we shared the same dressing room, all four of us. It was glamour off Broadway. Uh-huh. And uh, she was like, well, I was a standby. And I was like, you were? And, she, you know, because you always feel like, well, it have to have a path. Right. It has to be like this or else it's not going to work, yeah. you know. And she's like, well, I was a standby and there's nothing wrong with it. And you've never been on Broadway and it'll be your first chance. And I was just like... Okay, like that's all I needed was somebody to say, 
do it. Yeah. This is, sounds amazing. And so I took that job and I got to be the understudy for Adina and meet like one of another hero. Adina. <laughs> Adina. Um, Were you a, like the rest of us? Like was Rent sort of? Oh, yeah. I mean, Rent was just like. Day and night. I, I remember like standing in line when there were still a Tower Records okay. and like waiting yeah. for that album to come out. And so, you know, but I wanted to just act very casual sure. and cool. Around no biggie. Adina Menzel. But I was just like, oh, my God. And so I would just like hang out with her. Like, and I see how it is now. <laughs> like, it was probably really random that like your standby is like, hey, mind if I come to your dressing room? Like, I just wanted to just be around her because I was such a fan. And by the way. I'm sure she loved it. Oh, I mean, she couldn't have been nicer. She's the most nicer. down-to-earth, amazing she woman. She could not yeah. have been nicer to me, and I so appreciated it because I learned so much from her, you I can't know? believe, like, Bette, Judy, Adina, like, yeah. all these people were your first friends. Yeah, they were. An introduction to this world. They were. I remember Adina one time, she was like, you know, Mandy, if you want, you can have my house seats for the show. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so great because my parents are coming, and, like, I don't have a lot of money. And she's like, well, you know, house seats aren't free. And I was like, Oh, they're right. not like, right. oh, and she's like, no, you just get like really, really good, good seats. seats. And I was like, oh, OK, yeah. You know, it was just like the little things that I learned. But that, that's how you learn. Yeah. How would you know? Like, I didn't know, you know, tip your dresser and do all those kind of things. Like, I learned that from Adina and how you treat people. And, you know, and she was just so lovely to everybody. And, you know, I don't mean to like just go on and on, but she really was. And so. No, but those people like the the number one on the call sheets or above, yeah. the t- like those are the people. I talk about that a lot in yeah. here. Like. For, you know, Danny Burstein, it was like Bernadette Peters. For, right. for all these different people, who that was when they started right. is what paved the way for who they are when they've had the great fortune of being that oh, person. It's so it's so true. And uh, and I learned so much. So I'm so glad I was her standby. Mm-hmm. And then I Did got, you get to go on? I got to it? go on after three months okay. because she never misses. And um, it was thrilling. And Everybody at Disney was there, so they saw me, and then I got to replace. I replaced her, and um, so Tom Schumacher is another. Tom Schumacher angel. is another angel, and um, and still another angel. I saw him the other day, and you know, and then between replacing her, I did Dance of the Vampires, um, which co-starred Michael Crawford, mm-hmm. and that was another. I remember that audition and having the last audition, having to audition for him. And, you know, everybody went around and was like, hi, I'm so-and-so. And then he was like, hi, I'm Marco Crawford. And I was, and that's a horrible accent, sorry. But I was like, oh, my God. You know, and everybody just started laughing because I really didn't think he was going to be there. Of course you know? not. And I got that job. Um, I That's got how that... real this call oh, was. Oh, so real. You were not being punked. No, it was so real. And then I dropped to my knees and I was like, I got the job, like when I got the job. And then I had the time of my life, you know. I was like, this is great. And then... You know, um, the run through where people come and see you before um, we open. My agents came back and were like, well, it's good. You have time to like work on it. And I was like, work on it. What do you mean? Like, this is a big hit. You know, this is amazing. I've come. Everybody knows. Everybody's going to know your name. Totally. And then we (laughs) opened and it was just like, oh, my God, like the worst possible. Bloodbath. Oh, it was awful. And uh, I don't think I've seen anything that mean since you know because that was like the start of like chat rooms and the internet and all that kind of stuff everyone had an opinion yeah everybody had an opinion and people said um you know really nice things about me people said really mean things about me david simon said that i lacked in looks and that was like wait john simon 
Oh, Giant Simon. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. No, because sorry. he was yes. notorious for really writing like yes. the most. Sorry, John Simon. Yes. Said. Let's give John Simon's <laughs> cruelty credit. Yes. So John Simon said that I lacked in um, singing, acting, and looks because he needed to make sure that he got that out there. <laughs> yeah. And people were like, oh, it's such an honor that he said something mean about you. And I was just like, you know, when you're 23 and a woman who already feels like you don't really belong because of different ways that you look and you're just kind of coming into your own. I thought it was a pretty rude thing to, to do. And I didn't take pride in it. That's right. And uh, I had to really... All joking aside. Yeah, I had to really... A, you're gutted when that happened. You're really gutted. And I had to build myself up from that. And um, and I became a lot stronger, uh, not because of that, but just of because that. of in spite of it. And uh, a lot of people from that show stopped working in the business. They went in to do different things. Um, and then those that continued to work, I continued to champion because it was hard. We had to be on that stage after those reviews and we did it together, you know. And um, and other people, I remember people from other casts that were in hit shows would come and see us and like laugh in the audience, like audibly. And I just remember thinking, um, I'm never going to do that. And any, and I think that's where a lot of my fearless squad kind of started was this thing of, you know, that's a form of bullying in a way. And um, I didn't want to be a part of that. So I refuse if people say, oh, did you see that show? It's so terrible. I refuse to just kind of... To participate. Yeah, to participate or go along with that. Because some shows that people don't like, I loved. Like, Sweet Smell of Success, like... I loved that show. And I thought, like, the choreography, like, Kelly O'Hara was the first time I heard her voice. You know, it was like, I got to see some incredible performances. And if I listen to other people, like, what's the point? So because of that experience, what is your relationship to reading reviews? Oh, I still read them. <laughs> so how do you protect yourself or how do you prepare for that moment? Um, I think... I think I don't put everything into what other people think of me. And I'm a mother now as well. So I think, um, you know, what I try to teach my daughter, I try to teach myself. And that's that it matters most. Um, the work is what matters the most. And if I feel like I'm doing good work, um, what people say, I don't read all of it. But if I see it, it doesn't matter if it's good or if it's bad. Yeah, it'll, it still hurts. It stings. But it stings. But it doesn't, it doesn't um, drown me. You know what I mean? It doesn't make me feel like I have to tread back up. You know what I mean? Well, another right. is Lin-Manuel Miranda, yes. who uh, who cast you along with an incredible creative team in, yes. in The Heights, mm -hmm. which um, I don't know if you guys knew when you first started that it would become what it was at the time. Not at all. I mean, I knew when I met Lynn and Tommy. Um, did you know them before? No, I knew show? I knew Alex Lackmore because I did the reading of Wicked. I was in the ensemble with Christian Borrell. It's so crazy. And uh, and so I knew Alex from that. And he had long hair at the time. Um, but I didn't know Tommy and Lynn. I met them because my agent told me to meet them in the basement of the drama bookshop because they wanted to go through some music. Not sketchy at yeah, all. Yeah, not sketchy at all. And so I've been to the drama bookshop a lot. So um, I... You knew your way. I knew my way. So I went there. That's and where it started, in the basement of the drama bookshop. Pretty much. Which I they've mean, just it's, saved, by I the know. way. <laughs> it started with them before you know, I ever came to be a part of it. But I came on the same time that Chiara Alegria Hudes came on. And um, I remember that first rehearsal because we were all around a table just reading out of books. And Lynn said, 
you know, I know you guys don't know the music, so I'm just going to sing all the parts. And he started, he was like, lights up on Washington Heights. And it was like, what's happening? Electricity. And I was like, who is this guy? Yeah. And he's amazing. And whatever he's doing, I want to do it. And I remember just feeling. But did you start like as part of a workshop? I yeah, think? yeah. I started as a reading. But you auditioned for the reading? or you uh, No, I didn't audition. I was asked to do the reading. Okay. And then I was asked to audition for the workshop. Do you think you were asked because you knew Alex Lackamore? I or think you... I knew they knew Alex. I think they saw Dance of the Vampires. See? Um, See? Yeah. John Simon? I, ha. I know. I think it was all these things that kind of led okay. us to converge together, in a beautiful you know? Way. And so I I did the reading and then I did Lennon in between. And during that, they did another reading. And so they wanted me to audition as well as who did the reading, the okay. next reading. And people were like, how are you going to audition again? Like, you already did the reading. Like, don't they know you? And I was like, because I want the job. Like, yeah, bozo. Put your pride aside, you know. And that's just, like I said, it's where I come right from. Yeah. Do the work. Not don't. it's not hard. No, it but hard don't you... expect. Exactly. Don't expect. You got to work for it. Mm -hmm. And so One I more did. time, you got to what for it? Work for it. Work. Okay. Work. I did. And so I did. And um, and you got it. And I got it. And I remember auditioning with a scene with Olga Meredith, who ended up playing Abuela. And we were sitting in, uh, at Bernie Telly's office, we were sitting in the waiting room. And she's like, what do you think? And I'm like, I think this one's going all the way. And she's like, <laughs> you think so? And I was like, yeah, this is going to be a hit. It's special. This is, ama this is amazing. I've never heard music like this. Like, this is this is a hit. And I remembered that whole, when we were going to Off-Broadway, that whole rehearsal process, not being able to let go of, in some ways, the fear and the failure of a vampire. the, of vampires. Lennon was another show yeah. that, that didn't do well. Letting go of those things to allow myself to just enjoy and not worry about what's going to happen, yeah. like the final to product. To be in the moment. It's to the be hardest in the moment. thing ever. It's the hardest thing ever. And I think we were really lucky because um, on our road from off-Broadway to Broadway, they had us do this uh, documentary. And I had um, one part of Radical Media, this guy, Paul Bosmowski, who's become a dear friend, he um, followed me throughout my whole time getting ready for Broadway. So you were one of the people chosen to follow. Yes, and it was really like therapy. Wow. Because he asked me all these questions and I had to, you know, I cried. I had to talk about how I felt and my fear of rejection and my fear of failure and all these kind of things. And, you know, letting down my family if this one didn't make it, if somebody said something bad about me. And it allowed me to free myself mm -hmm. of that burden and free myself in a very public way, you know. And so that also, you know, because people feel like you get hurt and you should just move on. And there's no... You shouldn't um, deal in the pain of, you know, whatever you're going through, that it's just pain and that it's over because it's like it's not over. It's still there. And yeah. you have to you have to be true to yourself and honest with yourself. And so when, I think it's when we do push it aside without processing it. That's when it is the most dangerous. Definitely. And so For everything and everything. And I lucked out because In the Heights was a hit. Right away. Right away. And I was part of this, you know. But then you got to feel dream. that. I got to feel that. And I got to run up to the at the Tonys with all of my friends um, when they won a Tony Award because um, Jeffrey Seller and uh, Kevin McCollum allowed us the yeah, whole cast everybody to come, come up. And I remember looking back and seeing, you know, Karen Olivo and Andrea Burns and Janet just crying and laughing and we did it together and it was just like then they lifted up Lynn and watching him and just how hard he'd worked and 
all of all of them. And so it was just like so right, you know. And then um, I did that show for two years, and then I went. I got called to do Wicked, mm-hmm. and uh, during in the Heights, like off, they're like Mandy, stop what you're doing. It's Can you time. come with us? It's time. <laughs> I just see like a car pulling up, them escorting you. <laughs> I know it's time. Shh. I know, and uh, it must and have been hard. To it leave, was hard though. to leave my family, and uh, but it was a role I'd always wanted to do, and and then did Adina like leave you a note? You can have my house. <laughs> No, she didn't um, because she was already like mega famous. She was in the house. She wasn't just my like Adina from Rent. She became like everybody's Adina. It's the same with Lynn. Like Mm -hmm. he's no longer like our Lynn from In the Heights. He's everybody's Lynn. What is that? I, I don't know. I think it's been a beautiful thing to watch because everybody's falling in love with these people that you know, I fell in love with when I first met them. You know, everybody's seen these things on a bigger scale that I got to see up close. So for these for these artists, it does not surprise me one bit. Mm-hmm. And it just makes me so, like, I just get so happy inside because mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, the secret's out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, in aren't they? Way. Yeah, like, aren't they amazing? <laughs> Guys, you know I what told I told mean? you. I told you. And it's true. And it's happening. It's. You know, it's happening for behind the scenes, too, like with Tommy and Kiara and um, and Alex and Andy. And, you know, because, you know, Tommy now doing the FX with Fosse Verdon, you know, April 9th. Yeah. But it's like he's (laughs) such a champion of women and like of women's stories. And, you know, he was such a um, a champion of mine. And so I think um, I'm just, everybody's getting to see what I've always gotten to see up close. And so for me, I'm just kind of like, if I can elevate them in any way that they've elevated me, I just continued to do it because they um, mean the world to me, honestly. So when did you hear about, when did Hamilton, the musical, Mm -hmm. come on your radar? Um, Hamilton the Musical came on my radar when um, I lived, oh gosh, let's see, I lived, well, I had a daughter, um, I had a, a baby after I um, finished Wicked. Elphaba had a baby. Elphaba had a baby. She was not green, <laughs> but she is special. No, my husband and I were like, well, you know, let's just have some fun, like after, you know, I would been in shows What now did I tell you about that, about, Andy? I know, for about four <laughs> years, and within a month, I was oh my pregnant. God. Oh my God. Um, luckily, like happily so. Yeah. I wanted a baby so bad, and um and we had the most beautiful daughter. She's seven now? She's seven. Okay. And so when, after I had a, a baby, it was like, oh, I felt like all I wanted to do was be with her. Mm-hmm. Like all the time. And that happened all the time. I mean, it still does. But there's something inside of me that still has that want for performing. That sure. want to do what I love doing. And um, there was a guilt also that happened with that. Okay. You know, um, feeling bad about that. And having to kind of come to terms and be honest with myself and go, okay, it's okay to work. It's okay to um, to leave her, to you want know, both. to want both. And um, I'm lucky because uh, I got to work with my friend Andrea Burns at In the Heights. Um, and her son was, I think, two when she started. So I got to see what it was like to be a working mom on Broadway and the struggle and uh, the happiness of it. And um, I got to confide in her. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a friend that did it. Yeah. And so I feel lucky in that way. Um, but I remember feeling like, well, what's missing? What's missing? You know, I have everything. Right. What, what could possibly be missing? And my mom said, you've got to 
you got to sing. Right. Like, you got to start singing. So, so Hamilton is born around the same time that your daughter is born. Well, Hamilton mixtape started. Right. Around the same time that my daughter was born. I did the Hamilton mixtape with Lynn at Lincoln Center. Okay. Um, he asked me to come in and sing Say No to This, which was the Mariah song for the first time. And so I went to Alex's apartment and learned it because when Lynn calls, you go. When Tommy calls, you go. Sure. And so I was I got to with... remember that. If yeah. either of them call me... I yeah. go. And it was Chris Jackson, uh, James Eigelhart. The whole family. The whole family was and more. there. And more. And so, you know, I had to go buy a dress at Bloomingdale's because nothing fit because I had a new mom, you Such know, two months. Woman. I was yeah. still breastfeeding. I wore, I'm still wearing maternity pants. It's true. And Tommy. 15 and 12. <laughs> yeah. But I like the another champion, Tommy gave me a room like so I could, you know, do breastfeeding Pump. and stuff like that. Yeah. And, um, and so, but I did it and I felt like, man, I love this. And Lynn did it again. They did it again. Like, this is another hit. Yeah. I heard this music and I was like, this is going to be a yeah. hit. And my trajectory back to Broadway was tough. You know, new mom, um, trying to figure it out. You know, new mom, not having much of an income. Uh, my husband went to work full time at MoMA. Um, and I was home with my daughter. So, you know, whatever money I made, I had to pay for babysitters mm -hmm. to go to auditions. Right. And, you know, it was that hour. Will you watch my kid for an hour? So yeah. then I can go to this audition. And, you know, people asking me, well, how old is your kid now? Because they're trying to figure out, and mostly men, trying to figure out, well, and I could see it. Like, well, when, how old is, is it going to be difficult to work with right. her? Because she's in your way. Yeah, because she's a new mom. Yeah. You know, is this going to be okay for you? Is this going to be okay for your husband? Is it going to be okay for your daughter? So I was like, you know what? Forget this. Yeah. I'm going to start doing my own thing. So I started writing. I started creating shows for myself. And I started doing concerts. And those concerts started doing well. And so then I started to book symphonies and I started to work with symphonies and I started to love that. And I traveled all the time, like every month. But there was still that need for Broadway, still that love sure. for that. And I got a call. You know, I got a call from Tommy Kale um, July 5th. And he was like 2016. 12, 12, 10. Yeah. And he was, and it was in the yeah. afternoon because my husband, um, we had moved to New Jersey. So we would have more space to raise a family. And um, my husband had a studio in the basement as well as in Brooklyn. And he was painting downstairs. And I remember getting a call from Tommy, and uh, and he left me a message, and I was like, "What do you think he wants?" And my husband was like, "I don't, I don't know. What do you think he wants?" I'm like, "I don't know." I don't touch. I the should phone. call him back. Oh my no, god! No, don't, don't call him. So right. then I was like, "Well, I'm going to be cool. And yeah, like, wait ten minutes. Yeah." So I waited ten minutes, and I was like, "Hey, what's so going cool. on?" I'm so cool. So I waited ten minutes, and I'm like, "Hey, what's up?" Like blah 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 blah. And he's like, "Yeah, so, um, how do you feel about replacing on Broadway?" And I was like. Um, let me think about it. Hold on. Let me call Judy Kuhn. I know. What would she do? I know. And I was like, yes, please, please. And I, at that point, because I had been traveling so much, um, and I saw Hamilton at the public, I was like, I kind of put it out there that this is what I want to do. And I started learning the music just on my own. You know, I was, you loved it. I was teaching, I, you know, every plane flight, I would listen to that song and I would learn it. And the song was satisfied. And I was like, this is what I want to sing. This is what I want to do. Like, I just manifested it. And um, and then they called. And so I was like, well, I know it. Like, I'm ready. Because he's like, you're going to have to go on pretty fast and this kind of thing. And I, I know. I, I'm ready. I'm ready. And then I went and I rehearsed it with Alex. And most of the lyrics were wrong. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, doing the Weird Al Yankovic yes, version. Yes, I was just learning just from like, and Alex is like, actually, Mandy, she's saying this because the rap is so fast. Right, you're like, I don't know what you're And I was like, oh, okay. And he's like, so I had to kind of relearn it. Yeah. 
By um, the way, there was some choreography also that choreography, you Choreography, there's a turntable, yeah. there's a lot. But you got it. I'm ready. Oh, I was ready. And I was so happy to just be in the room with my friends who just wanted to see me fly. And, you know, and not in a wicked kind of way, but just in a life kind of way. And uh, we're rooting for me. And I just felt like I was home, you know. And I was because in the Heights is at the Richard Rogers, same theater yeah, that I was. were literally home. Yeah. Is it the same dressing room? Same dressing different? room, number eight. Wow. And, um. You know, and it felt just so right. You know, Renee created an incredible character and um, she did it and she's a mom. Uh, she has two kids. And when I came in, she was just like, what do you need? How are you doing? This is how I survived. This, you know, might help you this and that. And so it was what like, were some things it was like physically or emotionally? What were like some takeaways well, that you could you share? Know, she's a hard worker like yeah. me. And um, it wasn't about, you know, if you have to miss shows, that wasn't ever brought on the table because right. that's just not what we do right. very old school but it was about like napping after drop off uh-huh. <laughs> you know yeah. make sure you take a nap after drop off you know take care of yourself try to I mean take... after you bring your daughter to school yeah that like yeah. that drop off that you know people go home after the show I go home and then I wake up at 6 30 to wake up my daughter with my husband and right. make sure that you know the lunch is made and all that kind of stuff but she's like make sure you go to sleep right and that has been such a um that's such a wise thing because it was like self-care. Yep. She told me things that would help me take care of myself during the process and, you know, places to lift the dress so you don't trip. And, um, you know, she really just, practical. just her support alone was enough. It was the same thing with Adina. You know, when I replaced it, it was like, oh, do this and this and now it's yours. And because it'll she'll always be there. It'll always be hers. When you originate a role, it's always yours. Sure. You know, but it was just that passing of the baton. And it felt so nice to have that, you know, um, that sisterhood. Because I feel like whatever tour has opened, you know, they call me and they're like, and it's the same with Wicked. It has the same sisterhood. And that's how it should be, you know, because. Sharing. Sharing. We've all got, we're all here and we've all got to do eight shows a week. And eight shows a week is a bear. And you've been doing it for over two years now? Over two years, happily. Yeah. And I love it. And, um, you know, and I've gotten to share it with my daughter who started, you know, when she was four and a half, I started doing it. And I was like, how am I going to do this? You know, how am I going to take her to school? And, you know, now I'm a Girl Scout leader and doing all these different things, but I'm doing it. And I... I show young people in the show that it's possible to have a career and a family, you know, and you don't do it alone. And I tell them, you know, my husband is, you know, 75% of the reason I'm able to do what I can do because of his love and because of his, um, you know, his ability to be home with our daughter and take care of her because I wouldn't be able to do it by myself, you know. You know, Daphne Rubin Vega was sitting also half Jewish. Right. Half, half so crazy. Uh, Latina. Yeah. Um, we, you know, we were talking about being a part of Rent, which was sort of the predecessor right. in terms of something being a, a global, loved globally. Yeah. The music being so important to people. And then just the culture and communities built around the show. Yeah. Um, you know, and she was sort of clear it's like she couldn't really be articulate beyond saying thank you, mm-hmm. right? Like on every level, because yeah. it's really, it's hard to find language sometimes to describe what it is to literally be in the eye of the storm of something so magnificent and far-reaching yeah. in ways that, And being you know, so young. And being not young. really knowing 
how to um, to navigate how to process it. that. And then there was very little social media, right? Just sort of yeah. when we were talking. I can't about... imagine if Rent like open now, it would be like. Ten times bigger than it was right. because of social. But they could know? have their lives in some way. Yeah. Maybe maybe there was a balance maybe. Of, of a sort. I don't know. But you are, like I'm sitting across from a woman who's playing Angelica Schuyler mm-hmm. in Hamilton on Broadway. <laughs> yeah. Right now. Mm-hmm. And it is so heady for me to even try to imagine... It was heady for me to imagine talking to you about really? it today because it's such a um, – there's the there's the thing that's outside of you. Like mm-hmm. you are going to work and doing your job. I'm doing what I love. Doing what you love. And it can't be lost, you know, and I think right. that's sometimes what Well, when people, you said I still love it. Yeah, you still love it because some people get into the whole thing of um, – you know, for me – more is just more. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean always better. Right. You know, and I think so many young people um, that surround the show are always looking for the next thing or, you know, because well, that's just how it is. When you weren't in it, yeah. like, was there a part of you that was like, wait, those are my friends, half the cast from, no. like, I want to, I want to be there with them. No, I never had, I never thought about it like that because I come from a family. My father always said there's room for everybody. And I never felt like, why? And I think that has always helped me in my life because yeah. I've never felt like, why her, not me? Uh huh. Because I felt I'm like, so if I, about well, if I want, believe me, there's certain things that, you know, I go, oh, I wish I could have gotten that. Or, you know, that's just. You mean hum- you're human? Yeah, I'm human. I'm not, you know, this floating thing that's yeah. like, everything's great. Yeah. No, but I have to put myself in check. You know, I, I remind myself that that's just not, it wasn't my time. And I have now to. Is your I have to allow that, or else, what's the fun of having friends if you can't be happy for them? You know, it's just like I want my friends to fly. Yeah, you know, and I want, want them to, to fly. Yeah, because it's not. And I look at life now, and maybe it's just becoming a mom and all that kind of stuff, and, and just the wisdom of living. Maybe you know, but it's just like I, um, I'm. I look at their life, and I go, "Oh, they're doing this." And their family's doing really well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, I saw their dad the other day. I'm so happy. You know, I'm I'm meeting with my friends from In the Heights today to have dinner, you know, and just talk with them. Well, about... no, because you're going to be here till then. I'm right. so sorry. <laughs> I know. <laughs> They'll but come it's like, here. I just want to catch up. How yeah. are you feeling? One of my friends is getting married. You know, Janet's a college just got engaged. I'm oh. like, when's the wedding? What's happening? Yeah. It's like real stuff. Real life. This is real life. And so I think when... It's very easy to get caught in the hamster wheel of more, more. It has to be more. It has to be better. It has to be bigger. It has to be this. When you have to look at your life and say, gosh, look what I've been given, you know, and remind people. I mean, I I don't want to be that person at the theater that's like, you're so lucky. But at the same time, I'm the person that's been through different shows that haven't made it and had to be booed and all this kind of stuff. It's like, you are so lucky and you get paid for it. Yeah. You get a good salary. Like, you get to live a good life. Like, I get to, you know, yeah, my life is busy and it's crazy, and but I get to do what I love for a living. And, you know, because of this show, like, I get to pay for my parents to fly out here to see me. You know, they don't have In-house to- In-house seats. Yeah, they don't have to pay for it. Yeah. You know, and that feels so good. And I, you know, I just feel like I Wait, have so much to be grateful for it? Bubby has not seen it. Bubby can't travel anymore. Okay. She has would she, love to have travel. She seen video or has she been able no, to like... No, because they don't have bootlegs. 
<laughs> of Hamilton. But I call my bubby, and uh, don't tell anybody, I but won't. I sing the songs for my bubby. And uh, because my bubby's been there for everything, but the last show she saw was, um, I guess, Wicked, and then she's seen me in concert. Right. And she's been able to come see me do that. And in my concert, I talk about her a lot. And uh, and so I think that makes her feel good. And But, you know, she's like every, every bubby. She's like, well, what's so special? You know, what I do, you know? <laughs> But it's like she does like everything, everything, because without her, without the showboat dinner theater and the pickles. And it's incredible. Her making the phone calls. You know, I wouldn't be here. So before you go on stage mm-hmm. each night, maybe it's the same. Maybe it isn't the same. Do you have like a moment or a ritual that just gets you from whatever your day was to mm-hmm. prepare to tell this story? Yeah, I think I'm a very um, immediate kind of person. Um what would you say? How would you call that? Like, um, I don't really overthink too much. Um, spontaneous. I'm like a very that. spontaneous person. Somebody calls me, you want to do this? Yeah, sure. And then, you know, somebody will be like, why did you do that? You're not doing this. And I'll be like, oh, right. Like, sorry. Like, I'm just. <laughs> You're in the moment. I'm in the moment. I'm that kind of person. I'm that kind of um, actor. And so for me, it happens the moment before I hit the stage. Um, this feeling of like adrenaline and just where am I? Who am I? Um, what do I want? And that's how I begin every show. And I really have to, you know, people say, oh, aren't you tired of doing eight shows a week? Well, I kind of love it. I kind of love the um, the routine. I love that. And I love feeling that it's somebody new. And I especially love um, the edge of hands that we do with 11th graders who've probably never seen a Broadway show. Or if they have, they've seen Phantom of the Opera. But this is a show that, like, they've just learned about in history and they can it's relate for them. to. And, and so because they're so honest. And they yell at my character when I start, you know, satisfied and I start talking about Hamilton. Like, they'll be like, boo, boo because they fall in love with and that's your sister's husband I know with Eliza and Hamilton they fall in love during Helpless and then when they hear my story in the beginning they start to boo and you know at first I'd be like why are they booing me like what am I doing what am I doing and then all of a sudden I realize oh I'm doing this right because at the end they're cheering and it's like to see them go through the story and what you know was directed and written um, and it's like that show where everything is just melds so well together, you it's know, like that turntable, right? At the yeah. center of it, it all it's the flows. hardest song I've ever sung. And it's because it's a play within a play and you have to get all the beats. And so I think at the end, I just feel like, yeah. And I give a nod, I give a nod to Lynn. Cause I'm like, yeah, you did. Yeah. You, you know, got it. You, you got it. Did it. You know, cause he's still like. For me, that little like he's like a brother, you know, and it's just like to see to see him where he came from and like where he's what he wrote. It's just genius. Yeah, it's genius. And I tell him that and he makes fun of me, but I don't care because it is. It's like they're why. What does he say when you say that? Oh, like he'll be just like Manny says, I'm a genius, and I'll be like, Well, he is. Like, what do you want me to say? I don't say that to everybody, you know. Yeah. Um, but he is, and uh, it's. I have a sense of pride with that. Yeah. You know? I know. So. There's the line, how lucky we are to be alive right now. And, I mean, and I that's everything. That. Yeah. That line is everything. Yeah. That that's I hard to on a daily sometimes. basis. But to put that into words, yeah. it's just like you you understand and you just wrote what we're all feeling. Yeah. 
you know, just to remind yourself that, you know, and how much he loves his wife and, and, you know, like the relationship of Hamilton and Eliza, knowing him personally and hearing those lyrics, it's just like, oh God. So beautiful. Yeah, it's so beautiful. So you're going to step out of Hamilton for a minute mm-hmm. uh, to do The Who. Yes, to The do Who's Tommy, Tommy yeah. uh, in D.C. Mm-hmm. for like a short little... A short little run. Um, people will be very lucky to get there. I'm like getting to live another part of my dream because Tommy was like one of my favorite musicals growing up. Yeah. And I remember going to see it in L.A. when it came on tour. And I loved it so much that I used Acid Queen as my audition song for pretty much the first two years of my life in New York City. And it got me my first jobs. Unbelievable. So this is your way of saying thank you. Thank you. But I'm not Acid Queen. I get to play Mrs. Walker. And Alice Ripley is like, I'm a huge fan. And so um, to be able to play that part now at this point in my life, I know what to do. Yeah. You know, and just to sink my teeth into that music. It's just like, oh. I cannot wait. So this is like a a week long. It's a week long. Yeah, it's a week long concert at the Kennedy Center. Um, It starts April 23rd. Um, But yeah, I'm just so I'm so excited. I can't wait. Well, the people who get to be at the Kennedy Center are very lucky. And for those of us who end up seeing some bootleg version of it uh, (laughs) that doesn't exist, but we'll find it. Right. Um, Mandy Gonzalez, thank you for Hashtag fearless, fearless squad. Thank you. Thank you for your music. Thank you for your message, Um, your generosity, your Mm. beauty on every level. John Simon was wrong, (laughs) uh, but I really, really have looked forward to this for a long time. And I got to see you in the show, um, Mm. to have this moment with you in person. And here's to like a lifetime of work and family and love and struggle and triumph. Thank you. Here's to life. Triumph. triumph. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, love. If you want more information about my guests, go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com. I also wanted to tell you that there is now a new addition to the website. It is a button that says contributions. This podcast is a true labor of love, and I really, really want to keep doing it for a long time. So if you like listening as much as I love to do it, please feel free to contribute. It would mean the world to me. Also, on Twitter, you can find me at Alana Levine. Instagram is Little Known Facts Podcast, and on Facebook, Little Known Facts Podcast. You can also feel free to rate and review the show on the iTunes show page. This podcast is recorded at Hangar Studios in New York City. Do you believe in stories? I know I do. Do you feel like there is more to your story? Personally, I feel like there's more to every story. And I got some good news. There's this great company called the Pocket Media Group, and they can help you find the more in your story and tell it so it connects to the people you most want to reach. They specialize in video, photography, writing, design, branding, and strategy, all the pieces you need to start something new or polish up something old. And they understand that story, whether it's a photograph, a video, or words on a page, powerfully connects people and ideas. So whether you're a not-for-profit, a company, or just good old you with an idea, whatever your story, mission, or message, 
reach out to the people at The Pocket Media Group at www.thepocketmediagroup.com and let them help you start telling your story. Because look, we know there is definitely more to your story. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.